From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Derek from Ignition. Derek, it's really nice to have you on. Yeah, Brad, thanks for having me. Pump and chat. Absolutely. I'm really excited. So to kick us off, can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your company and what you guys are doing? Yeah, for sure. My background, I've run product and marketing teams throughout Silicon Valley. Early on in my career, I, I was a PM at PlayStation, launching big AAA games. And then I've been around venture-backed startups ever since. Did a lot of early stage stuff, running marketing and growth teams in a range of different verticals. And then um, ended up joining uh, BBVA, which is a big Spanish bank that probably haven't heard of. Helped them basically run marketing across portfolio of companies in our uh, fintech arm. So we created and incubated companies and launched those. And then most recently, helped stand up product marketing at Rippling, help them scale up from seed through Series B before starting Ignition. And these days, I'm working on Ignition where it's basically a platform for helping teams to manage launches, whether those are products, features, campaigns, etc. We basically help bring the whole go- unify the whole go-to-market process. Upfront, we have research tools that help with collecting competitive and customer research to feed into the process. Then we have a bunch of planning tools to help the product teams and the marketing teams to align better, build and prioritize roadmaps, hand those off into go-to-market planning. And then there's a lot of internal comms and orchestration tooling that's embedded in an underlying AI layer that helps with creating more repeatability in the process, getting information to the teams internally that need it at the right times, and just generally making sure that the launch goes out goes off without a hitch. Awesome. So who tends to be your customer then? Yeah, so we work with, we have a couple of different segments. The funny thing about launches is that this is a problem that tiny companies have, and it's also a problem that major you know enterprises have, and that it affects companies of all shapes and sizes in all different industries. We have a pretty wide range of customers, but we tend to focus a lot of our efforts in selling on kind of mid-market to small enterprise companies that are about 200 people up through about, you know, 3,500 people or so. Mostly, like most of our customers end up being in SaaS just because that's like who's in our network. We have customers in CPG, we have customers in apparel, we have customers in entertainment. It's the, That's the funny thing about launches. Is it's just a problem at every single company. We've got a pretty wide range in that Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. So let's get into a bit of the background of the story of creating Ignition. Obviously, you're scaling products, early stage companies, all this. What are some of those challenges that you saw always arise? And then how are you solving it with what you're doing with Ignition? Yeah. So like fundamentally, the problem that drives most launch failure, it's really funny. Like it's citing McKinsey studies is always funny when you're talking about startups, but like McKinsey did some research across thousands of different companies across that were both kind of tiny startups as well as large enterprises and a range of different verticals. And they basically found that like all the things that you think are the contribute to launch success or failure, like budgets, team size, et cetera, like none of those things matter. The only things that really matter are communication and repeatability of process. And so basically like what I've seen historically is that the real reason that launches fail is because product marketing and sales teams all just get out of alignment. And most of that's because of the like fragmentation and data silos that happen because of all the fragmented tools that are used to manage the process. And there's really poor handoffs between product to marketing. So the planning process itself doesn't happen effectively because the marketing team doesn't have enough advanced notice to be able to actually build real plans. 
there's no clear coordination motion across internal teams. So sales never even learns about the thing until it actually shows up on a demo for them. They can't actually go and upsell and cross sell that thing. It's basically just mostly a communication breakdown problem where context, like all the research that's feeding into the process gets totally disconnected from the actual strategic planning, which gets totally disconnected from the actual executional work and like knowing where things are in the process. So there's no clear kind of centralized view of what's going on with launches across the company. And that's like a lot of what drove us building Ignition was we wanted to build one kind of a central source of truth where all you know teams could live and get very clear picture that's integrated across the rest of the organization, very clear picture of what's going on with launches. But then two, make it really easy on the teams that are actually planning those launches themselves to get access to the research that they need and to push information outwards across the rest of the organization. Because like if you think about most tools today, they are basically all requiring the rest of the, the, the org to come into the tool to get information out. And as we know, that's just not the way that people within companies operate. Like they're they have other priorities, they forget where the tool is, et cetera, et cetera. We wanted to make it really easy to create a planning tool that allowed you to actually push comms across the org through email, Slack integrations, and make it really easy to get that information to people at the places that they're living day to day. Absolutely. And just for full clarity out there, launch is meaning like launching new features, new products. Can you clarify that? Yeah. So like we categorize launches pretty broadly. Products and products is the thing that everybody thinks about when they think about launches, but it's also features and like updates to existing product. It's also things like campaigns or even kind of customer facing announcements, like a pricing update or a policy update. Like it's basically anything that has a customer facing announcement at a point in time tied to it. Okay. Awesome. Let's talk about growing this company. So you saw this problem in the market. Okay, I want to address this. What's the next step? And how do you find those early stage customers? And then how have you grown it from there? Yeah, finding early early customers. We basically went out like our very earliest customers. We basically went out and just pulled LinkedIn DM DM'd a few people. Most of our earliest customers actually came from all the customer interviews that we did before we ever even started writing any code. And we did probably a hundred customer interviews before we ever even did any design work. And we were able to get a handful of design partners out of that. A couple of them ended up actually even becoming investors of ours. And so we worked with them that way. Basically spent like a, a decent amount of time in like a design partner stage where we were working with those customers, trying to build the process around their needs. And then we did a closed beta launch, started rolling on some more people, worked through that initial beta period, did a lot of iteration on products. Our business is an interesting one because... You have to build so much surface area of product to be able to solve this problem effectively, right? And so we actually had spent probably more time in the build process than what I would typically recommend that a startup do. And I, I think that has allowed us to spend a lot of time learning with customers. And so we've been able to be really customer driven in the way that we've been building, but it's also meant that like, we basically spent a lot of time like iterating quietly. And we have, we've only just recently been like really hitting the gas on marketing and sales and trying to scale our own like revenue as well. Okay, so you build this customer interviews and it turns into a product and it turns into a beta. Then I imagine you find more and you grow it. At what point do you say, hey, we need to hit the gas with sales and marketing? And how did you go about doing that? I imagine a lot of the sales is you early on. And then it's like, all right, sales team, marketing team, growing it from there. How did all that yeah. come to be? 
Yeah. In terms of like how we figured out when the right time to do it was like, part of it was just when the pro when we felt like the product was mature enough that it was like solving the problems in the way that we wanted it to be solving the problems. Um, but the big thing was like, we were looking, we monitor cohort charts on a fairly regular basis about what usage looks like on a per organization level and on a per cohort level. And I think like we started seeing cohorts basically just start gradually expanding on their own without us really like doing much to, to expand them ourselves. And that was indicating to us that people were getting value out of the product. They were continuing to use it. They were using it more day over day, and they were inviting more people within their organizations to use it day over day. And that indicated to us that the product is working. And now it's time to go hit the gas on just getting more people into the product and scaling the getting more people into the product process. It's still me, myself, and I, when it comes to sales and marketing right now, we will be, we're hiring for our first couple of like sales and marketing folks right now. But I think the process has just been us just getting more active publicly. Like we are still in very minimum viable, like sales and marketing mode right now. And so we do a little bit of like light outbound email we've increased volume on that a little bit. And most of like the upping the investment in marketing on our end has just been me getting a lot more active on LinkedIn, externally just publishing and, and talking about our product more. Because I think a lot of our target market, like they just haven't even heard of us yet. And they, we're still relatively new. And so we haven't done a great job of actually like making ourselves known. Right now it's a lot of like top of funnel demand gen publishing content and then distributing that content as widely as we can. So you're just not getting some traction, you're getting sales rolling, all that. How much are you concerned about churn? Obviously no one wants churn, but are you focusing more on like new customer acquisition or if there's any churn or anything, any thoughts on that, how balancing your time and everything? Yeah, like we we definitely think about churn like every day. And I'm, I, we were lucky enough that I, we actually just had our very first customer churn this past month, but that was like also somebody who never really became active in the first place. So it was like real churn. But yeah, like we, we've been lucky that we haven't really had churn to deal with to date. And everybody's been using the product's been pretty happy. And so that's been lucky for us. We pay attention to it daily though, even though it's not, hasn't been something that's affected us so far. And I think in general, like we are much more focused on net new acquisition right now, just because that's so far churn hasn't really been a problem, but we put a lot of systems in place well before we ever even started rolling people into the product to help try and combat churn. And so we were thinking about it like before even day zero and a lot of that comes from like my background as a product marketer. It's like, I put in a lot of email automation to make sure that I'm like connecting with folks who look like they're showing potential churn signals on an automated basis. So that I'm like in their inbox, making sure that I am getting in front of that, being able to like have conversations with them to help onboard them, get them more successful. We also are very active in the early stages of a customer's life with customer success and trying to make sure like I'm a big believer that... One of the best ways to fight churn is just effective onboarding and making sure that people get as successful as possible in the early days of their experience. And so we invest pretty heavily in helping to do trainings with customers. Like we'll handhold even our very small accounts through getting set up just so that we make sure that they have as good an experience as possible. So it's always top of mind. Like right now, I think the balance has been a little bit more focused on new customer acquisition, but I'm sure that's going to flip over the next few months as we start getting that engine, engine humming. Absolutely. Any major lessons learned in all this and 
maybe landmines to avoid or things that worked really well? Oh man, there's a lot. I could spend hours talking about lessons learned, landmines that we stepped on and things to not do. I think the funny thing for us is I think if there's any landmine that we stepped on, we arguably uh, want, I think there's a lot of like dogma in startup land, which is launch early, don't wait to launch your product. I actually think we launched our product a little too early, the original beta version of it, partly because the product just wasn't stable at that point. And we set a flag in the ground and said, we're going to launch on this date. And we pushed towards that. And like, when we did that first launch, the product was not like, it was pretty buggy. It was missing features. And that's par for the course when you're launching the MV, like MVP basically of your startup. But I actually think had we waited a little bit longer, because we got a really great influx of folks in that very first launch that we did, we would have captured a lot more of it as actual like ongoing users and ongoing revenue. So I think we probably launched a little too early. One of the landmines, don't launch too late, but also don't launch too early. And then I think a secondary one is... Probably, I, I do wish that we had invested in bringing on some dedicated, at least one kind of dedicated sales or marketing person earlier, because I, I've basically, it's not important until it's important with startups and it wasn't important for a while. And now I'm hitting a wall where I am so buried that it's very challenging for me to actually scale sales and marketing as I would like to. And having had somebody who was thinking about that stuff day in, day out for the last X number of months would be extraordinarily helpful at this stage. And we wouldn't be building a lot of these flywheels from scratch. So I think that was a big one is like higher sales and marketing earlier. Yeah, there's a bunch more. I, I think there's a ton of like technical things that we've run into. We, I think we went freemium too early is another one that I learned is I think freemium works really well. And I'm a big believer in product-led growth, but I think in the very, very earliest days of the company, and there's some kind of research that backs this up, like the very, very earliest days of the company, freemium is really hard to one, make work. And also the big downside to it is you actually hinder your rate of learning because you're not actually on calls with customers when, aside from the couple who like book support calls or you actually get in front of because you're pinging, like you're just not having as many conversations directly with people who are considering buying your product. So it slows down the pace at which you're able to like actually extract learnings and information from folks. So I wish that we'd stayed like more of a sales led motion for a while. Now it's working, but early, early days, it was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So what is your approach to content and marketing and LinkedIn and all that? It sounds even in the early stage and being really busy, you're posting a lot of content, join a lot of podcasts. Love to hear more about that. Yeah, we do some regular podcasting. So I show up and guest do guest appearances on podcasts. That gives us the there's dual benefit to that. One, it helps us get distributed on the podcast, but then also it gives us a bunch of easy assets that we can chop into smaller posts that we can post on social. And that's an easy way to create content in an environment where we don't have a ton of bandwidth to create our own content early on. We work with a freelance writer on external content creation for a blog. And then from there, we try and just create useful stuff that is answering common questions, both about like our product. So we use content both for sales enablement and like helping to answer questions like, Hey, how do I like ask for budget for this thing? But also for just educating the audience on what does good go to market look like? What are other companies doing here? How are customers using this thing? And so we basically try and just create a bunch of educational content that we think is going to be helpful for folks. We 
base that on a lot of like search data. And so we look at what thing, what questions people are trying to get answered today. And then from a distribution perspective, like we're, like I said, we're still super early on like how we actually make use of that content. So most of it ends up being like me posting on LinkedIn, occasionally like dropping some of that content into communities like Product Marketing Alliance, but it's pretty, it's pretty lightweight right now. We're, we're working on spinning that engine up quite a bit more. Absolutely. What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? How much all the little things were going to distract from the things that you like you think are important? I think there's there every first time CEO I've talked to, their number one thing they flag is like, oh, I didn't realize like how much little like admin work there is involved in this that is just going to keep me from doing things that are like selling and building product and the things that I think are important. That's probably the biggest one. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, take bigger risks like earlier. I think I started my career in big companies, which yeah, I think gave me some really good foundation, taught me a lot. I spent probably a little too much time working in like early stage startups for other people. Like I wish that I had actually gone out and start like attempted to start a company in my twenties. I waited until I was in my thirties, which statistically increases my likelihood of success. It's like, I, I think it was the right time for me, but I, I do like now that I've done it, looking back, like with all the things that I've learned, I feel like having started a company earlier on in my career, failed at it and then come out and build a, built a second company later, like, I think it just only would have taught me more. And so I think be willing to take risks and be willing to be willing to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I love that. And any... Closing remarks, words of wisdom for the industry out there, or your customers or other listeners of this podcast? I think the words of wisdom that I typically give, they're very self-serving, but it's like invest in better internal go-to-market processes. I think, and specifically that means like hire product marketing and empower product marketing to do their job. I think there's companies still are trying to figure out like what product marketing really is and how to engage with it. And I think it's like one of the highest leverage roles within companies that helps to really transform the way that you are driving revenue when properly used, but so many companies get it wrong. Absolutely. Derek, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely.